What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Swanky Disc Golf Show. This week, we are talking Music City Open. I am your host, Luke. I have with me Reed and Josiah, and very special guest, Boots on the Ground at Music City Open. We have Robbie freaking C, first guest <laughs> of the show. What wow. a special one. Um, but yeah, he was there caddying for Brody. Also, if I'm not mistaken, you played in the MCO two, last year, mm-hmm. two years ago, last year. Yeah. But yeah, welcome, man. How are you doing? <laughs> Dude, doing swell, doing swell. I will tell you, it was way less stressful being a caddy than it was <laughs> stepping up trying to play that event. So uh, noodle arms galore. It's If you don't throw 450 comfortably... And you are planning to play an MPO, do not play Music City Open. Uh, it is not for you. Man, that's good to know. So basically, all like uh, we can go and play it, but you yeah, guys might not yeah. want to. Touch. Yeah, all of the swanky guys totally. playing easy. If you just watched our Cloudbreaker video, you'll know <laughs> we should not be out there. We're going to rename this By podcast Noodle Arms Only. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but how was the weekend? I want to hear a little bit of your experience being a caddy, and maybe touch on also like what it would what it means to be a good like real caddy. Because I feel like in disc golf, people just don't take advantage of it. But this mm. weekend, I saw it was important, like not having to dry your own discs and carry your own umbrella the whole time, staying out of the mud. I feel like it was big. Can you just yeah? How was the weekend? Yeah, so I I think in especially the pro tour that a lot of the people who fill caddy roles are much more pack mules than they are yes, caddies. Yeah. And so because you get so many fans and people that are like, oh, I'm going to message this person and they're going to let me be a caddy for them. And so we've, we've just connected the two dots, whereas for 99% of people that are caddying on the pro tour – they truly should not give advice to the player (laughs) in terms of like, Oh, why would you throw that there? Uh, which talking to players throughout the week, like there are horror stories for each and every one of them of people caddying for them doing things like that. Like they'll throw a bad shot and they'll say, Oh, why'd you throw that there? Uh, like (laughs) that ain't it brother. So, uh, (laughs) Yeah, the weekend was, it was really fun. It was really good to hang out with people. Um, I think from a scheduling conflict, the bummer is like Easter weekend. Yeah, you're have, that was a bummer. Yeah, Easter weekend in the South, much less. Mm. So I think for a lot of people who aren't located in the South, like the Bible Belt is like a proper nickname that's thrown around. So I think attendance was probably lower than people expected. Still a really good turnout. Like the last day, the weather was actually kind of beautiful. Low turnout mm. on Saturday, but that's because the weather was awful for <laughs> uh, the actual event. But yeah, no, it was super, super helpful, like having a caddy there. I mean, by the end of the second round, we didn't have a dry towel on us during that Eesh. round. So it just, it rained the whole time. It was muddy. It was, the ground was sopping wet. There are multiple players who got stuck in the parking lot. Like it is, wow, it was crazy. Man, yeah. Do you feel like you and Brody Smith, I guess I didn't mention that, you caddied for Brody Smith for anyone who doesn't know. Uh, did you feel like you guys had pretty good chemistry? Because people neglect, well, not I mean, a lot of people watch golf. It's Masters weekend. Those caddies have full-time salaries, and some of them have been with people for, like, years. And they play a really important role. They know the player. They go out. They scope around. I saw you out there with a notepad here and there. Heck yeah. uh, how do you feel like you and you and Brody paired? I did see Brody didn't have his best finish of the year, but yep. Yep. you know, that's not to say there's a lot of things <laughs> that could factor into that. how do you feel uh, yeah. working with Brody? Absolutely. Great. That, so for me, uh, I think that you learn there are good pairings and bad pairings. And mm. so Brody Brody has a very good understanding of the game. Uh, and because there has been so little time of like people actually caddying in disc golf. And that was kind of the experiment that we wanted to run this week is exactly what you're talking about of like the caddy having an integral role. I, Brody did not throw a shot at music city open 2023 that I did not see. So nice. I was there from the day he got there 
till the day he left. Uh, and so every single thing he threw, I was taking notes. I was looking at it. Okay, hold two. We're throwing the pink TI nuke really well. We really like the, the gray nuke gives us a little more distance, but there's a little more variance there. And like, we're writing all of these notes down to consider, but Brody has like most of his shot selection kind of dialed because he doesn't have that many like actual molds in his bag. If he's throwing mm. a distance driver, nine, nine times out of 10, it's a nuke or some form of a nuke, a nuke OS, a nuke SS. If he's throwing mids, it's a buzz almost guaranteed unless he's throwing a meteor and the meteor he really doesn't actually like throwing that often so it's probably <laughs> yeah, not gonna be a meteor um goes to it yeah yeah like he has it because some shots just aren't a buzz um but then he's got raptors vultures and i want to say that's it for fairway wow. drivers mm -hmm. like it is um like and then it's zones and a challenger os like and roaches, uh, but he doesn't. I don't think he has <laughs> any throwing roaches besides like his putting putters. He's got three of them in the bag. So a lot of his shot selection is very easy. So from like a pairing, I think that it was it was unique because the first round before we even started, Brody said a phrase that kind of I think guided the weekend for our relationship, which was I'd rather throw the wrong disc confidently than question what I'm throwing. So from a caddy perspective, it's really tough when you see a player trying to figure it out and like, okay, we're playing into a headwind. I don't know if I should throw this shot or this shot. And you're like, I think you may be walking down the wrong direction. But if I, if I try to steer you away from that, is it going to be better for you to throw, like you said, the wrong disconfidently or to let you like to try to pull you out of it? Um, and so especially being the first experience of us working together in this capacity, uh, we opted for silence on pretty much all of it and let Brody kind of drive the ship there, which is great because Brody, Brody's very, like, uh, I have a huge respect for him and that he is totally willing to walk away from this weekend and he's not going like, oh man, I broke my 13 week cash streak cause Robbie's a bad caddy. Like <laughs> talk me out of it, all that. But I do think at the same vein, if Brody would have shot lights out this weekend and won it, I also don't think Brody would have turned around and been like, oh, yeah, having Robbie on the bag, that's why we did it this weekend. Uh, so it was nice from my end because there's really no pressure. Um, Brody's quoted multiple times saying that golf is like a very – disc golf is a very simple game. So he's not yep. sure that there's a need there yet for caddies of that level. But we, I mean, on Friday I walked with FPO cause Mill Ridge has a lot of like blind shots over some tree lines and stuff like that. And I wanted to make sure that I could see like what the landing zones looked like and what the wind was doing on those sides. So we had a lot of information, um, that we were able to work with, which was helpful. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, the conditions were so bad that the natural Floridian and Brody <laughs> was never set up for success. <laughs> yeah yeah it's tough being outside of paradise you know <laughs> that's true but that's awesome that's really good insight i like that it is it is a kind of at its base i feel like it's a simpler sport than than golf uh and so yeah that full-time caddy who's been with you for like years and years is not i might not it might not ever happen <laughs> in this golf but yeah do you guys have yeah. any questions for him I was just going to ask, uh, Robbie, I know you said that maybe you don't have any particular plans that this might be something that Brody feels is necessary moving forward, but uh, do you guys have plans to do it again? Do you plan to be on his back again um, in the short term? Yeah, uh, that's, that is an amazing question that I definitely don't have an answer for. <laughs> I think if it had gone really well, like if he had played really well, I think that would have been a conversation that we had pretty much on the spot. Right. Because it did not go well, I think Brody is like, definitely, I just want to forget about Nashville as much as I possibly can. I The way he kind of like talked it up, it's one of his worst finishes possibly that he's ever had on the Pro Tour. Uh, like even from his like OG days of when he first jumped out there. Um, so... Uh, I, I would hope that we can do it again, but also I think at the same time talking about that, like fit of pros and cons, like 
Brody is the type of player that wants to like pull himself out of the ditch on his own. Um, and even when we had comments of like, for me, if I'm catting for someone, they throw a good shot. I want to highlight the good and like, let's focus in on that. Um, and Brody is very much a, like expects to be doing those shots really well. Mm -hmm. So if he throws a buttery smooth forehand approach that hits the, like from a hundred feet that hits the chains or comes really close to hitting the chains, I'm like, Oh, that was an amazing shot. And rather than being like being able to take it a step further and say, Oh, we should press into that. There's a moment where there's a little bit of like, well, I'm glad I can get up and down from a hundred feet. And you're like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like you should be able to do that, but trying to spin it in a positive direction. So uh, I'll, I, I think it was enjoyable to like help Brody learn and attack the course. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to tell, like because the weekend, like he feels like he played so bad in his eyes that I, yeah, I'd be very curious how soon he wants me to be back on the back. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. If it was actually helpful or not. Uh I think if nothing else, caddies in disc golf can provide um, just a weight off of the shoulders of the player um, from, a, from a perspective. Oh, and figuratively. Yes, literally and figuratively <laughs> to just remove some things that they have to think about throughout the course to remove their both physical and mental burdens of like whether that's knowledge of the wind or whether it's yeah. just drying off discs like Luke talked about earlier. There's just a few things that... Checking out landing zones. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you saw Kristen Tatar's post-match interview. She said she was, like, really lonely the other day, like, the day, the day that it was raining. She was like, we were out there for four hours. Everybody... She didn't say everybody else had a caddy, but Nate Perkins, everybody else had a caddy. Oh, and she was, like, having a hard time, like, every shot, every single shot for mm. four hours... She had to go to a knee, put an umbrella over her bag, and obviously, like, you don't want the caddy to just be a pack mule, but that's pretty huge. That's, like, exhausting, and she said, she literally was like, it was depressing, and I felt lonely. That's so <laughs> I was like, that's yeah. tough, man. Yeah. Yeah, because at your, at the Pro Tour events, I mean, especially a Kristen Tatar card, she's usually going to be on a lead or a chase yeah. almost every time, and so... There are these galleries following behind and they, if you, if like listeners have never been to a pro tour event, you don't realize that there's like 80 people sitting there watching you a hundred people, 200 people, 300, like whatever, standing there watching you. And so you throw a good shot. You can celebrate a little bit with your card, but your card's not like, Hey, great job. Now you're beating me by six strokes. <laughs> Keep let's make it seven like they're not going to be celebrating with you so you have a caddy in your corner and when you throw a bad shot you can't like you have to save face yeah. to a degree mm -hmm. because now there's all those people watching you and most of them would come out and probably comfort you but it's weird there's there's a literal distance between the spectators and you and so yeah you're very much like i can i can see that wholeheartedly i i felt that when it was Brody's having a bad round. We had a crowd watching us and he's off on his, like I knew give him space. We had talked about that, like give him space to do his thing. And so I'm like, do I turn around and acknowledge the people that I know are in the crowd right now? Like, do I go walk over to the other people on the card and like talk to the other cat? Like, what do you do? And so, yeah, you're very much. And I, that's from a caddy perspective. I can't even imagine on the yeah. player level of, yeah, because Saturday was awful, <laughs> so awful <bad>. for conditions. <laughs> yeah, but we're going to move on to talking about the actual just event as a whole. Obviously, the insane, the biggest storyline is Simon Lazat winning from the chase card, birdieing the last eight holes. Absolutely wild. We're going to go into our favorite segment, birdie bogey par. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we're going to walk through a couple big topics of the weekend. And we're going to call him a birdie, big win, a bogey, big loss, or par. Pretty much what we expected. Uh, so the first birdie, bogey, or par, we're talking course design. We're talking hole three. Uh, overall experience outside of weather, because obviously, like, that's out of our control. I think the government could, I don't know. But <laughs> for the most part, course <laughs> design is what we're talking 
Robbie, birdie, bogey, or par for... I want to hear a little bit about hole three if you have any opinions, but course design as a whole, a lot of drama this weekend. Yeah, so uh, I, I think if you watch the evolution of this property, mm. it's a birdie because like, and if you go back two years ago and watch when they first played at Mill Ridge, um, they just cut in the property. And if you were in the brush, like by a foot, you were bleeding, literally bleeding because there was so much underbrush in there that was just cutting you to shreds. Whereas this year, there was a whole lot less of that. And if you went in there nine times out of 10, it was marked OB. So you didn't actually have to like suffer through any of the natural OB. Um, I mean, we can go back to last year where you have the whole Joel Freeman situation of him needing that relief this year. That wasn't even on the table because it was all marked OB. So like we avoid controversy there. This is by far the best iteration that the course that the Millridge properties ever seen. Um, and that's with every single hole feeling like Tennessee muds wrestling state championships, <laughs> um, which once again, you can't control on the weather, uh, hole three, I think is brilliant. I loved hole three. I, I'm, I still haven't watched it, but I think it's insane that Emerson took a nine. Mm-hmm. Um, like you look at the stroke per distance on that of a 277 <laughs> foot hole and you're like, okay. He averaged 30 feet a toss. That's <laughs> madness. But people were taking fours left and right. Um, birdies were a premium. Played as a 3.12 for the weekend on a 277-foot hole. Really good placement. I love it as a hole three because you want to get your round going, and so now you're tempted to do something crazy. Um, like, And at the end of the day, if you were actually standing on the grounds, yes, it was not a easy hole. But at the same time, it wasn't easy if you were trying to park the basket. Mm. If you were just trying to give yourself a putt, whether it be circle two, circle one, like edge of circle one, it was a turnover. It was a 270 foot, 250 foot turnover shot, which every single pro on the pro tour, you want to call yourself a pro, you need to be able to throw a 250 foot turnover. So. For that mm, reason, heard it here. I say birdie. From the Spicy. man himself called like out. <laughs> Josiah, thoughts? Yeah, so I did watch Emerson <laughs> on the coverage, <laughs> at least. And honestly, the biggest factor on that nine was just the OB. Um, and it wasn't... Like, he didn't... like he, The decision he made is probably a decision that anybody in his position would have made. And he just kept throwing OB instead of pitching out and going up the natural fairway. He tried to throw around everything. So um, I think this is a par. I can't say too much. I didn't think it was bad course design, but I'm sure. uh, I mean, Robbie's pointed out that as far as like past years, and I wasn't even familiar with all of that. But as far as me watching and things like that, it to me, it just looked like a really challenging par three which is exactly what I would expect of a pro tour course is for it to be challenging for the pros and to maybe create some score separation between the pros. And so for that reason, I didn't see any issues with it. I mean, if somebody wants to complain about it, fine, but I I didn't see any major issues as to why it wasn't ungettable. There were plenty of birdies on it, um, but there was also a lot of bogeys. So I think it was exactly what they were hoping to accomplish on this hole. Nice. Yeah. Reed. Yeah, uh, uh, real quick, I'll touch on course design. I think that uh, the course design's got to be a birdie. If nothing else, you just see uh, the cream of the crop of our pro field uh, up at the top. Um, there's a tight finish, which we love to see. And, you know, you see Calvin Heimberg, Gannon Burr, Simon Lazat, some of those names that have been playing well on the tour already and showing that they're the top names to be competing with week in and week out and those are the names that are rising to the top so if a course can produce that i think all in all that is a good sign for the course design so you gotta you gotta think the way that the tournament finished that's a birdie for the course design 
pole three, a little bit unfortunate, just the way that it looks on the camera, I think. I know we hadn't touched on that. I mean, Robbie could convince me that just about any hole is good if he just <laughs> talks about it long enough. I mean, he, you, you had me thinking that was one of the best holes in disc golf. <laughs> um, and I love that. I love the perspective you brought to it. Uh, the only thing I'll say about it is it just looks kind of weird on the coverage. And so as someone that wasn't on the grounds, it, it just does look kind of like a weird little rinky dink in the middle of the woods. And it probably played a factor. The weather played a factor in the, in the look of it, the, the time of year played a factor in the look of it because the trees are less than vibrant this time of year. So, um, but I do think that you you're spot on that everybody should be able to throw that shot. It's not like a an impossible flight for a disc. A disc can absolutely manage that flight, and uh, and I love holes that can force players to be looking for an edge of circle putt at best. So I'm gonna go with. Uh, a birdie for the course and and maybe just a par for hole three because it's probably just something that it's taking a par would be great because taking hole. a par <laughs> is what most of the Amen. field did so strokes strokes on r.i.p and yeah, you take a par strokes on the field yeah 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 that's crazy that's great insight of course us three are talking purely from perspective of a uh, spectator online uh <laughs> and from that aspect i actually really i also am going to say birdie for course design i like in the words of joey tribbiani i like it i thought it was fun to watch <laughs> um and yeah i don't know i hear players complaining so often that like courses are too easy not all players a lot of players courses are too easy par is too soft and things like that but then the pro tour goes or like somebody designs a course and it's super far. And they're like, well, now you're just catering to distance throwers. Or it's like, okay, we'll put a bunch of OB out there. And they're like, well, now all this OB is annoying. Let's complain about that. This one, I feel like they tried to be creative in some aspects. The OB was challenging, it seemed like, but not by any stretch of the imagination, like, undoable. Obviously, we saw super hot, some really hot rounds out there. Uh, I like that I saw a ton of different lines from so many different people. Um hole three specifically it a little ugly like on camera that's all but that was i liked that it forced players to get a little creative like i said not like i don't know i saw so many people birdie adam hammis threw like pretty easy looking i mean obviously it's not easy he threw like an overstable distance driver at the ground and but he he birdied it and he consistently looked good on the hole and i was like i don't know play it like you have to get a little creative. I like it. They they came up with a creative solution to what people are complaining about. People will still find a reason to complain. But I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was good. It's funny you mentioned the underbrush and stuff and that it's better because I was still watching it was like so many times the camera would, they would jump to a camera that's looking at a bush <laughs> and they're like, somebody's in there just so you know. It's like, <laughs> what in the world? I feel like they need to keep up with that because that's just a bad look i understand natural ob and being stuck in a bunch of trees like thinking little mulberry park places like that so that's you know that's part of the course that's great but you're get like it's not a great look when you like turn on a coverage and you literally can't see the player they're not ob <laughs> i'm glad that they're fixing it they probably know it's a problem and i definitely at one point on hole three saw calvin heinberg pick up a literal bush that was dead and unattached and move it and i mean he literally had his arms full of a just a giant bush and he moved it and then walked in front of it the commentators are like oh okay dead and unattached <laughs> I guess. yeah what yeah. are you gonna do i'm gonna say birdie birdie yeah birdie so, <laughs> birdie for course design from us might be the unpopular opinion but we're going with it uh moving on we'll talk fpo a little bit of course mm. big story Kristen tatar or not so big story. That's definitely just par. We're not even going to talk about it. Kristen <laughs> Tar is is looking yeah. pretty goat worthy if she keeps it up. Uh, wins by a clean five strokes off of second place. But the talk is going to be Paige Pierce. T27. Mm. 15 over. 20 strokes off the lead. Uh, and actually after the open at Austin, which she won. Right? Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. She won the open at Austin. We did. We do another segment where we were talking like, "Is Paige Pierce going to keep this up?" 
and we call mm. it send it or end it. I said end it. I said I think everybody else just played really bad because that's what it looked like. Uh, and so here we are. Birdie, bogey, or par. Age Pierce's performance this weekend. What do you think, Robbie? Uh, this is this <laughs> is another course that I think Paige historically doesn't play well, specifically mm. Mill Ridge. Um, and it's weird because Paige has the distance to like actually separate herself from the field. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know what it is about Mill Ridge. Two years ago, I mean. I vividly remember walking in, uh, like having turning around and seeing Paige's first card out on the final day when it came to like the FPO division. Um, because that was that was a year that the, um, FPO actually went after MPO because they had to move the baskets. Um, and so there was this whole controversy there. And so I, yeah, I think when it comes to her performance here, I think Paige is in one of the best mental places, like in terms of her mental health that she has ever been. I think Paige like actually is loving life, seeing her once again, being on the ground, seeing her walk around and things like that. You would have had no idea she was playing poorly because she was smiling. She was laughing. She was doing all that. So I think that brings into question, like we had all the, she's lost her drive last year. She even said like, I just don't feel the fierce. Like I'm not feeling fierce. Uh, and you know, that hurts the disc sales of the fierce <laughs> for sure. But from a like media perspective, yeah, you got to ask, does she still have that killer instinct? Is she still chasing after it? Um, I, I don't know it. I, I think I'm going to give it a par because I still feel like we're too early in the season. She spent so much time off Mm. of the tour, getting her life in like order and getting it all in check that we like need to give it more time. So I'm going to leave it at a par for nice and safe. I like that. I like that. Josiah thoughts. I mean, I don't want to say it's expected or unexpected. <laughs> it's I would just say it's surprising. I mean, to put it pretty directly, I would just say that this is on par just because I haven't seen her so much at the top of the leaderboard that it's not surprising if she's not at the top. It's unfortunate and unexpected, and but it's not super surprising. Um, as ironic because the first thing I said is that it's surprising. Um, but to to that, I know, right? <laughs> but to that extent, it's I, I would just say this is on par. I think she struggled a lot, but she definitely seems to be focusing on a lot of other things other than her competitive game. And I know that at some point she will probably focus more on the competition as opposed to a lot of other things. But I mean, disc golf has changed a lot in the last couple of years for those who were at the top for so long that things are just a little bit different now and they're probably a little bit more distracted. So I'd say it's on par. Yeah. I'm going to have to agree with the par. Um, now you could debate whether or not the fact that it's a par is a bogey or not, but I do think <laughs> it, it is kind of Deep. just the par that we've seen from Paige over the last couple of years i guess just just really last year and running into this year she's only been this is only her third event on the tour and she won an event already so i'm not really sure that she's not uh not playing well or not driven um and and it could just be the fact that like we've mentioned before she does have some other things going on in her life right now that are probably taking away some focus and and maybe once uh, she's taken the time to to celebrate and to live life through those things, I know she's got a wedding coming up sometime soon. Um, it that could be taking a lot of her attention. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, maybe she's just content to be in a good place mentally and to go out there and play disc golf, which she loves for now. Um, or maybe I'm underestimating her, and maybe she is out there giving it 110 percent every day, and 
if that's the case, then we might actually have a little bit more to worry about because she's losing to some people out there that she should definitely not be losing to. Um, but I'm not ready to write her off just yet. Um, she definitely has a lot of work to do to beat Kristen every week, but, mm. uh, but I, I think she'll, I think she'll be back at the top of the leaderboard, uh, and probably not, not too shortly. Yeah. I, I like it. All good takes, all good takes. I agree with pretty much everything that's been said, I think, <laughs> but that being said, I think I'm going to give it a very nuanced bogey for for page i love <laughs> it's gonna say nuance bogey mm. because i do love i love that point that robbie brought up mental health and it's awesome to see her smiling and like being happy and it's literally like yeah we're not gonna get super philosophical i know robbie would love to get super philosophical and we would all love to get <laughs> super philosophical like you know Always. life is life and if you're like Paige pierce is pretty set i think even if she dropped off the pro tour right now and started like her own line of discs with a disc craft still that was more about like high vibing and stuff like that they would sell super well she'd live a very happy life but we're talking like competitive arena and we're talking like i don't know i i like of course like let's look at greats of other sports and you know they're probably not the best picture of good mental health but if you're talking about wanting to be the best which she has talked about and she came out and said the whole thing about sort of unhealthy family dynamics and not wanting winning to be everything. And like I said, in the terms of life, that's fantastic. And I love that. And I love that she has that together. But in terms of like wanting to be the best player that your sport has ever seen, if you're looking at like Michael Jordan, if he's out there losing a game, he's not smiling. And I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. Obviously, you should not be beating yourself up and being like, winning is my life. But I think that ever, and I mean, people say this all the time, that really, really great athletes don't just love winning. They hate losing. And that's, I think mm. so, that's like Paul mm. McBeth is not happy after taking, I believe he was in 25th this weekend. And that's a whole nother thing. But mm. like he, the, he's famous for his quote after literally winning worlds. And I think it was Hannah McBeth, Hannah was saying like she ran over and hugged him and he wasn't, he didn't look happy. And she's like, what's wrong? He's like. I just like left a lot out there. I didn't play my best today. It's just like you just won <laughs> worlds. And it's like, yeah. So I, I'm giving it a bogey on the competitive side. If this is what it needs for her life to be mm. good, then that's what she should do. But if you're trying to be the best in the world, I don't know. I think it's, yeah, I think mm. it's bogey. And obviously, yeah, I'm not writing her off. It's early in the season. Uh, but you, you do see this happen from time to time. A lot of people speculate things like with Conor McGregor vibes like that where it's like okay he made money he sort of got notoriety and he does not have the passion that he once did for winning and because he doesn't need to he came from like nothing and that was a lot of yeah that's a whole other thing that's debatable but that vibe is there i think yeah so nuanced bogey win for it's a birdie for her life which is great <laughs> but yeah great. I know she was just last summer already talking about um, or still talking about her competition, her major competition with with Paul. They have this like race to I think it's 20 majors they're racing to. And uh, I know that's still super important to her. She was talking about that at the European Open last year. That was less than a year ago. The drive is still there. She is. She still wants to be the greatest of all time in the FPO and uh I guess I just I just hope that these these pars turn into birdies for her long term. Yes, no, I agree. I agree, and also everybody has bad tournaments, and if you don't play well there, like Music City Open is not what everyone's going to remember. They're going to remember Worlds and Women's Championships and stuff like that. So, yeah, soft, nuanced bogey is what I'm giving it. Nuanced. Bogey. All right, final yeah. final topic yeah. for birdie bogey par. Uh, we have chase card winners. I'm actually going to let Reed explain this one a little bit more. <laughs> okay, so I just wanted to talk about this because we've had, you know, three chase card winners already this year. And I know that there's a lot. I'll just go ahead and give my take because uh, while I do think this is a birdie for disc golf, this is a birdie for uh the scene and the competitive environment obviously we're seeing a lot more players at the top 
week in and week out, there's p- potential for playoffs with multiple different players. Um, the only thing is that with the current consumption of disc golf media, uh, it's really tough for Jomez that <laughs> the chase card guys are winning every week. Chase uh, Jomez has one out of four winners on their coverage so wow. far this year. That is crazy. And I know there it'll probably, you know, turn out to be that maybe there's four or five total chase card winners this year, maybe even three. Maybe we might be done. But uh, I, it's, it's a little tough for them, and I thought that was just an interesting thing to talk about. No, yeah, I agree 100% because it, it, it's, it's awkward. I've seen those coverages where they're like, the coverage ends, and then they're like, and by the way, from the chase, co- I mean, they, they reference it throughout the coverage, but at the end, it's like, yeah. also, none of these players won. Yeah, so I, yeah, I'm going to reserve and just say par because I don't even know what to do with that. That's a whole disc golf issue. What do you, what do you think, Robbie? Yeah, so I haven't, I haven't actually, like, looked into it too much, I'll be honest, uh, because I'm going to be very curious, are the viewers actually still jumping over to gatekeeper like our gatekeepers final rounds keeping up with jomez final rounds even though jomez doesn't have the winner uh because i think if it's comparable or like people are still actually watching the content it is a massive birdie uh almost mm-hmm. an ace like we'll call it an ace for disc golf because like <laughs> nice. truly that's just more disc golf consumption because people love uh big sexy commentary. They love big Barry commentary. Like they love the product of Joe Mez. And I will be honest. I have, I am not a long time Joe Mez consumer. Uh, like mm-hmm. Joe Mez, I literally get to last, uh, on, in terms of like what I watch for content for the week. So for me, it's like personally, I think it's, once again, it's an ace uh, in terms of the gatekeeper guys. I've been connected with the gatekeeper guys for a long time, and I am always rooting for a chase card winner because I think it's hilarious mm. that, like, it happens. Um, <laughs> so, uh, like, before this tournament started, uh, we got to play a couple rounds with, or, like, play a couple holes with Calvin, and so I joked as Brody and I left Calvin, I was like, oh, so maybe we'll be on lead card um, coming out of uh this tournament, and he goes, "You don't want to beat on lead card with me final day." And Brody was like, "What are you talking about?" And he said, "Because if I'm on lead card, that means I'm gonna win the event." <laughs> but if I'm on, he was like, "If I'm on lead card, I'm winning the event, or it's someone from Chase Card." Like is literally what he said. Ah, uh, so that's funny. he's like, you want to be on Chase Card, <laughs> not lead card with me. And so funny enough, like he got on Chase Card, and it was like, okay, that was the card to watch anyway. Yeah. So um, it's yeah, it's really exciting. I think it's amazing. And Jomez will always be Jomez. They're always gonna yeah. find their way around. They have more loyal subscribers than anyone else mm-hmm. in disc golf. There are so many people that have been longtime Jomez like fans and patrons who refuse to buy Disc Golf Network subscriptions because they are all in on Jomez. So I want to know what's going to happen in a world one day where the Disc Golf Pro Tour is like, hey, you want to do post-produced content? You just got to join Disc Golf Network. Like, this is the Jomez wing of the Disc Golf Ooh. Network. This is yeah. the Gatekeeper wing of the Disc Golf Network. This is the GK Pro wing of, like, these are Disc Golf Network affiliates. Um, and so I want to know. That's like, wild. <laughs> if that happens, like, if that happens, is that a win for Disc Golf? Is that a loss for Disc Golf? Yeah. Will people still watch all that? And now, because that settles the war. On live versus post. So chase card winners, huge ace for me because it's just more content that people need to consume. I like that. I like that take. And I guess, I mean, yeah, disc golf is in a weird spot where the goal is to kind of not be where we're at production-wise, I feel like. Because any other sport, if you want all that recognition and, you know, 
getting out to new people. You need television. You need things like that. But yeah, that's a good that's a good take. Josiah, thoughts? Honestly, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts on this because I like watching <laughs> disc golf and I'm watching it live usually as it is. And anything mm. that was produced is already just a bonus for me as it is. And so I love the excitement because yeah. I'm watching live and I'm super stoked to see any run from any position. Um, but for me, I'm only going to watch post-produced coverage <laughs> if I think something happened. And so... For me, it's kind of a win for though for whoever's doing the coverage of whatever the winner's mm -hmm. on. Or if I hear something, I'll be honest. I only watched Gatekeeper Media's uh, production with uh, on round one just to watch Emerson because I wanted to know what happened. <laughs> oh wow! And I was like, oh wait, there's yeah. video coverage yeah. of this. I can see what happened, and that's the only reason I went. And I watched five minutes of it, and that was it. And so if there's things like that, I'm gonna go back and watch it. So it's a win for whatever company might be producing a winner. But other than that, I'm just stoked to see a win. So it's a birdie in my book just because I like to see the runs from any position. I just, and I just checked the numbers. Uh, so Gatekeeper, Gatekeeper has 39,000 views on Final Round Back Night. Like the the big push from Music City Open 13 hours ago. Uh, Jomez was also produced 13 hours ago, so they've been live for the same amount of time. Uh, and Jomez has 59,000 views on their back nine. Like, so there you have it. to me, the yeah, the birdie is more people are watching, yeah, yeah. Gatekeeper just because they have these winners versus and they're still oh, watching Jomez. Because they yeah. want to see, yeah. So that's, yeah, you're right. I think that's a birdie. And I would say, yeah, I think that's pretty good for Gatekeeper. Either. That's a one or two of 10 for them <laughs> in 13 hours. That's pretty good. Yeah, I wanted to jump off of what Josiah was talking about with uh, just how he, he only watches live coverage. And I'm hoping <laughs> that this string of chase card winners produces more people like that. I think that could be the biggest birdie out of all of it is one chase card winner mm. and people are like okay well that's a flash in the pan most of the time i'm still going to get my winner on jomez um but three in a row you've got to catch this action live like it is unmatched yeah. what's happening live versus post-produce is an entirely different thing and i get it you guys love your post-produce coverage and i hope that you continue to watch that because gatekeeper and jomez do amazing stuff but come join us live it is unreal the action the amount of people that could have won this event is crazy and it's been like that for weeks yeah. it's gonna keep being like that i hope that is the ultimate birdie here they see this three weeks in a row and they're like okay fine okay i'm coming on we're watching next week <laughs> like, i get it no get and it. that's true and more eyes and more subscriptions means more money and better yep. production from and we do need better production from the Disc Golf Network. They've made huge leaps and strides. But we still no. need some better production from them, I would say. True. Uh, and that's, no. like, can you imagine the Masters be, like, everybody waiting until Monday to see the <laughs> final round of the Masters? Like, that's just yeah. not the future of the sport. It's not. Dude, because I asked Brody because our tournament was obviously going super well, so we weren't <laughs> talking about disc golf at all. So we get to hole 14 and I'm asking him like, oh, so the Masters like definitely has to have an app, right? To check it out like golf and is not a golf fan. He was like, yeah, absolutely. You literally can pick any player who's mm -hmm. playing in the Masters and has made the cup and you can watch every single shot that they are throwing. So how many weeks have disc golf fans? I know I do this. Every time if Calvin doesn't make a card that has like coverage, I am always rooting. Please, Calvin, just play good enough to make it to chase card at least. Because then I get to watch <laughs> yes. it. Like yeah. I get to see him play. As opposed to like if Mikey hadn't have been following yeah. Paul oh my gosh. Yeah, we during have Champions seen that Cup. That 16 down round? 16 down. Yeah, like, we're, we don't get it. Uh, like, so that's where, yeah, we need more people watching. And, I mean, Josiah, tell me about the uh, the shock of when we get to see Simon Lazat's face on coverage <sighs> when Gannon yep. skips OB on 17. Like, that doesn't make it yep. into post-produced. Nope. No. Yeah. 
no matter, join no us matter live, who people. Yeah. Come join us live. <laughs> yeah. Some great takes. Let us know what you guys think on any social medias and stuff. Shout us out. I won't speak for Robbie. He might not want to be bombarded, but feel free and uh, shout us out. Or maybe I will. So, yeah, go, go follow Robbie <laughs> anywhere you can find him. Bombard. Let us know what you guys think. Um, we're going to let Robbie sign off here. We have a couple more segments that, yeah, outside of everything happening, you're welcome to stay for, but we don't want to keep you past late. <laughs> yeah, we've already had you uh, no, longer I than we expected to. Yeah. yeah, yes. I'm, Good conversation. I appreciate it. As yeah. always, I'm a, I'm a chatty Kathy <laughs> for you guys, so uh, <laughs> happy to do so. But uh, yeah, no, I just thank you all for what you do. Uh, I love my swanky fam. Uh, and super grateful to you guys and what you're doing. Um, it is, it's always fun, especially being at like a pro tour event, uh, and things like that, because mm. we get to meet a lot of fans. Um, probably the most rewarding part of the whole thing. Um, and having people walk up and they're like, where's my, where are the swanky guys? What? Why are they here? We're like as close as we get to it. And I'm like, I mean, technically yep, champions though. cup is definitely way closer for them <laughs> than Nashville. You guys know they're in Georgia, right? And they're like, Oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. Uh, well, we won't well be I guess, either. are you all going to hang out at champions cup? <laughs> no. So, um, yeah, so it's, uh, I just, yeah, super grateful for y'all and the friendship and the, uh, Always rooting for y'all. So glad to glad to have you now as not only fellow content creators in the YouTube space, but welcome to podcast, y'all. Happy to be you. here. Thank you so much. Yeah, <laughs> we appreciate yes. you, man. Have a good one. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll talk to you later, Robbie. Take care. Reminder, guys, you can check out Robbie C at Robbie C Disc Golf on YouTube. Also, he's on Instagram. I believe he's on Facebook. Just look up Robbie C. Disc Golf anywhere you're on social media, and you're going to find him. We're going to jump into our next segment, which is Send It or End It. We're going to run through a couple topics and let you guys know whether we think we're going to send it or end it, starting with, will Paul McBeth win an Elite Series again before Worlds? (laughs) Or is he going to wait and bring out McBeast at Worlds once again? What do you think, Josiah? Yeah, I'm gonna end it. I do not think Ooh. I do not think he wins an elite series before Worlds. <laughs> honestly, I don't see him winning Worlds. Honestly, which is a hot take. What? I don't think he'll win Worlds. <laughs> I just think the field is way too strong right now um, for him to do that. But could have said that last year. But and I, I mean, like <laughs> now, if you said is Paul Macbeth going to win a major or an elite series this year? Yeah, I'd probably send it on that one. But if you're saying win one before Worlds, um, no, I'm going to say end it. Mm. What do you think, Reed? Dang. I'm going to go with, I feel like it's got to be end it. But like, but I disagree about Worlds. I still think Paul's the favorite, actually. Oh, absolutely. That's crazy. But I think that as Paul goes into his career, he has more going on. He's got the Paul Macbeth Foundation. He's got, you know, I'm I'm sure he's got a ton going on in the business world. So as he starts to focus on that more, I think he has to be a little bit more precise on what events he targets that with that McBeast mode. Mm. And I think he's got his sights set on majors at this point. Like he just wants to win majors. He's out there competing because, you know, he loves the game and he loves the scene. But I don't think he's got like that that next level of overdrive where he really tightens the screw. I don't really think he's doing that anywhere except majors this year. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm going to say end it, but it's partially, I feel like we've heard him explain his mentality is like, if he's not going to win, he just, he doesn't seem to care. Like he's going to hit majors. He's going to, he's going to get the points to probably be in the top echelon of the pro tour championship. And it's just like nothing else matters to him except for major majors, really. And he said he said that he's like, if I'm like if I'm in fourth place and I'm down a bunch of strokes, and the only way for me to win is to ace the next four holes, I'm gonna try and ace the next four holes. I don't care about my rating, don't care about my placement as much. That's at least what it seems like. And I, he's kind of referenced it. So yeah, I just don't think. And it, like maybe he will win. I guess is what that means. But <laughs> I feel like. Yeah, you never see like your Calvin has been what top top five in every event so far. 
Yeah. And I feel like it's because he plays a little bit safer. Like he, I don't know. Or maybe maybe not. Maybe I'm just maybe maybe it's just how the how the cookie crumbles. But I don't think I see. It's so hard to bet against Paul though. Like he could just pop off one of these things and be twelve strokes ahead of literally everyone else on the course. Yeah. <laughs> you just never know. But we're. I think I'm gonna end it for now. And if we're proven wrong, we're all wrong together. <laughs> so that's great. Hooray. Um. Next, Anthony Barella gets his first. Pro Tour win this year. Send it or end it. What do you think, Reed? I, Te- second place. I know. MCO. I know. One stroke. Devastating. Devastating. I'm going to end it. He's had a couple close finishes already this year. You're going to end gonna it. I'm going to end it. I love Anthony Barella, and I hope that he he does win one. I'm cheering for him. But the, I mean, like straight math. There's, I've got to give Ricky some wins at some point. That's I mean, he's man. coming back, and he won a bunch last year, so we're not going to forget him. When he comes back and he's healthy, uh, he's going to start winning again. We've got Calvin. You've got Gannon. There's just so many guys that I feel like are going to win probably two this year, uh, and Anthony's got to beat them all every weekend. Uh, I just, I'm not seeing No, him. just one weekend. Just one Even weekend. one weekend, bro. I don't know if it's going to happen. Uh, and I think that some of these Texas courses may have been really good chances for him. Uh, sorry, not Texas, but just these southeastern courses. Uh, could have been good chances for him. So I don't know, but I'm going to end it for now. Um, I'm sad that he missed it, but man, like the way that he got beat is just an example of what you have to do every week. Like Simon's going to go do that down the stretch and... I don't know. I don't see it happening. Thoughts, Josiah? I'm also going to say end it. And I just don't think he has the clutch gene. And he will maybe someday. And the day he has it, you're going to see him confidently make every single putt. And I think that's what's killing Mm. him. I've seen him just not have confidence in sometimes it's he'll make a 25 foot putt that looks not confident. And the day he starts making 25-foot putts confidently and every putt like that, he's just going to win. And that's and that's what it's going to come down to. Interesting. I'm going to send it. I'm saying he's he's come so close. I feel like he just needs one more thing to click. And then he's going to beat people by... He's going to win a t- tournament by like five strokes. Go ahead and call your if shot. Like, Which tournament? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Champions Cup. He's winning Shoot Champions Cup. A major? It. If he's not on the wait list, I don't know. Oh, dang. I think, yeah. He's just doing well in the Southeast, like you said. I think he's literally just going to, like, something's going to click. Bang, bang, bang. Anthony Barilla by three to five strokes. Champions Cup. Whoa. Oh, that's the hottest take <laughs> I've ever prediction. heard. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I'm so excited. I think I said. At the beginning of the year in a podcast that we didn't upload, we practiced. I said my dark horse pick was going to be Anthony Barella for the year. Mm-hmm. So I'm just sticking to my guns. <laughs> He's doing so well. He just literally, like I said, and maybe it is just like a few clutch things here and there, missing missing that 25-foot putt. Um, last year, he rolled his ankles a bunch. Uh, maybe it's just, I just think like just one or two things he needs to click for him. He's still super young, but I think this year he gets his first win for sure. I could see him doing well at Jonesboro, right. but I don't know about Champions Cup. You're wild Final for that. Final send it or end it. And this one's a little bit more of a tricky take. And uh, uh, basically the statement is Simon Lazat is in his prime right now. Send it. <laughs> he won the most events he's ever won last year. He just popped off for another win. It's early in the season. Uh, he's looking good. He might not throw as far as he did maybe a few years ago, but he seems to be playing the best he's ever played. Thoughts? I Josiah. will say send it. And the biggest send reason <laughs> is smart Simon is scary. Like, he's scary good. Um, and he smart can... Well, Simon. I mean, like, everybody's always said he throws Simon lines that are crazy shots. And I just remember that video he did with Paul a couple years ago where like Simon made Paul throw Simon lines and Paul made Simon throw the smart line. And Simon was like, Oh my God, that makes so much sense. That's so simple. Um, and I think Simon's that's just clicked for him. And I think he's just realized he doesn't need to hurt himself anymore. And he doesn't want 
to try throwing all of those crazy lines. He'll do it for fun and things like that in practice. But when it comes to competition, he's like, no, I'm, I'm going to try and just play a little bit smarter. And he's doing super well. So for sure. I, I think, yeah. Yeah. And let's not yeah. mistake, he does still oh, throw absolutely, very far. Yeah. No, he does. Like, <laughs> I don't think that's he, yeah, like, but, I mean, yeah. throwing crazy far. He's not trying to throw anything absurd just for the content anymore in yes. tournaments. In tournaments, he's just playing very smart. Yeah. Um, and so I think as far as tournament play goes, he's in his prime. Reed, what do you think? I am going to controversially end it. Mm-hmm. I don't think Simon's in his prime, but that's just goes to show how insane that this is because Simon is not in his physical form in his prime. He, he mm. went through a season of being able to throw much further. He was one of the best putters on tour at one point, and and he just couldn't get his mental game to match his physical game. And post-injury, his mental game is unbelievable. He is so confident. He's won twice from the chase card, so he knows he's never out of a tournament, and he's not letting himself you know, get down on himself anymore when he plays poorly for a round because he knows he can bounce back and score insanely well by just throwing the safe standard shots he's confident he's got new discs in the bag so his his mental game is unreal and that should be you know that should be scary i guess to some degree because he's still learning his new discs so i feel like he's only going to get better with this and and he's he's no longer in his physical prime so i mean what we missed with smart and physical prime Simon was probably the best disc golfer alive. So that's that's my controversial take. Yeah, I think I'm gonna send it Simon Lazat in his in his prime right now, especially if he gets another win this season. I'm just gonna call it. Um moving on now though, we are going to jump into all-star card. Two MPO, two FPO players. Who's your all-star card this weekend? Go. All right, my first one is a shocker. It's going to be Simon Lazat for my all-star card. Eight down through the final eight. I don't have to say much else. Won the event. Incredible. Um, And I'm going to leave Anthony Barella on my all-star card as well. I know easily we could have Calvin or Gannon on there, but AB took solo second. Guy's a beast, and I, I know I ended it on him winning, but I'm really cheering for him, like I said. So I'm going to pro- I'm gonna come back with the receipts on that and throw him on my all-star card. Uh, and then in the FPO, we're going to have Kristen. Dude, what a roller coaster, but four down, four up, and then seven down to win the event. Insane. Uh, you know, we obviously never doubted her for a second and knew she's going to win again, so... She's on there, um, and I, I'm going to put Rebecca Cox on my all-star card as sort of a dark horse. She shot an incredible seven under final round as well. If it hadn't been for Kristen, she would have been right there in the mix uh, with Jen Allen, and I believe it was Macy Villadiez. So uh, incredible round out of her shows uh, her ceiling as a disc golfer, so I'm going to throw her on my card. Yeah, Rebecca Cox also had three bogeys at that seven down, which is insane. I know, so, wild back but, nine, wild um, back all right. nine. MPO, I feel obligated to pick Simon, but that, I mean, he is kind of the all-star of the weekend. It's kind of hard to go the final eight through eight and not be considered, you know, an all-star player. Um, but I'm going to hop on the bandwagon with Luke. Oradalen shot the second hottest round Yo. of the weekend, which was also the same as Simon's last round, which was 11 down, uh, to move up to E11, I think. He moved up like 20 spots the last day. But he's like his name just keeps popping up. It's not like sometimes it's closer to the top five, but it's just close popping up closer to the top, and I think he's very underrated right now. So that's my MPO. FPO, I'm going to go Kristen, Tatar, uh obviously and then i'm gonna go with macy valadiaz because she was there the whole weekend um and she was competing and she still came very close but um i mean more or less but uh 
she competed the whole weekend, so Macy Delgius <laughs> will be my, my last one. Uh, my all-star card, I'm, of course, I guess, yeah, it'll be weird if we never, if we don't pick the winner, if that ever happens. We're going Simon Lazat, because, of course, popped off, absolutely incredible. My second one, not really a dark horse, but I guess maybe not a common pick from this week, is Chris Dickerson. I'm, of course, picking him because primarily his day two finish in the crappiest weather. He set himself apart from literally everyone else. He was absolutely the best player of, like, that was the most... I feel like impressive performance of the weekend aside from Simon Lazat's uh, eight down through the final eight. Uh, so yeah, Chris Dickerson really set him apart there and played phenomenally in the crappy weather. Didn't quite hold it out through the final round, but not going to hold it against him. Chris Dickerson's going on the card. Of course, taking Kristen Tatar. She's just a lock. She's going to be in there literally the entire season. There's She's not going anywhere. Uh, and then my second one is actually going to be Holland Hanley. I feel like she played really well. She showed a lot of potential, uh, which, of course, we know she has. But she, uh, final round, like, dropped a couple places, but she had an eagle. She had an eagle look on hole 18, I believe it was. I feel like she's got all the tools, and if everything comes together in one tournament, uh, she's going to pop off. She's going to get herself her first win. But yeah, guys, that's the show. Thank you so much for listening. We will, li- you will, we will see you. You will listen to us next week. Uh, and yes, we will be here. Be sure again to check us out: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. We're, We're all over the place. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you in the next one. Stay swanky. Stay swanky.